On today's episode, I'm joined by Stars senior staff writer Mike Heike to talk all things Dallas Stars and take inventory on the team as we approach the All-Star weekend. We talk about what's been so great about this team on the road, how they've been able to win games in comeback fashion, and then we'll close things out going player by player and breaking down a few performances from some of the biggest names on the team. All of this and more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Stars. Your Locked On Stars, your daily podcast on the Dallas Stars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, Stars fans. Welcome back to the Locked On Stars podcast, the only daily podcast covering the Dallas Stars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey, coming to you on this Thursday, February 2nd. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more and visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And whether this is your first time here or you are a recurring listener of the show, thank you for stopping by and making us your first listen of the day. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't already, please do hit that subscribe button. You can also hit the follow button on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you like the show, be sure to let us know either in the comments or on your podcasting platform of choice. Leave us a five-star rating or review. It helps us out a ton. And this is a fun episode today. I know we had a few listeners say, you know, it'd be great to do some player evaluations during this off week. And it's a great idea, but unfortunately, there's not enough time between games starting back up for the team to go every single player and make an episode out of them. But Mike Heike on the show today, we talk a little bit about the team success as a whole up to this point. And then we do talk about a few of the players on the team and their performances. We talk about the newcomers, whether it's guys that were traded for, free agent additions, rookie additions. And then we talk about a few of the key returning players slash veterans as well. A great conversation with Mike today. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Let's go ahead and jump into that talk right now. And joining me now on the show, another great guest this week. We have Dallas Stars senior staff writer Mike Heike here to talk a little bit about the, the team's performance overall this season at the All-Star break. A pretty good time to pause and take a little bit of inventory on where things stand so far this season and Mike has it has it felt like this season has just flown by they say it's you know time flies when you're having fun and the stars have been playing some pretty fun hockey this season yeah it's been good uh the road was tough uh you know I've talked to players broadcasters coaches GMs uh that whole stretch through uh December and January kind of wore on you as far as I mean L.A., New York, Dallas. I mean, we had three one-game home stands, which seemed like road trips, uh, but there was just a lot of travel. Um, so, yeah, I think we're in a good place right now, and clearly uh, the, the team's in a good place because of where they are in the standings. Absolutely, and you you mentioned the the heaviness of the road travel this season. I know that's been a heavy topic of discussion amongst you know a lot of people that cover this team and even the fans, I'm sure, a lot of just at stretches kind of sitting around at home having to watch games. And despite all that, the Stars actually find themselves with a, a really good road record at 15, 8, and 4. And 
what we know last year, it, the Stars got a little bit better as the year went on when they played away from home. But at the start of the year, they weren't very good at all. Whereas this year, they, they seem to keep the same level of consistency for, for most nights when they're playing at home versus on the road. Have you seen anything different with the road game this year? Or do you think that this team just gels really well together? Do you think it's part of the, the coaching change? Has, have you noticed anything that stands out when this team plays on the road this season? Yeah, it's a bunch of things. Um, one, I do think the coaching change uh, is important. Uh, Pete DeBoer came in in training camp and said they wanted to have a quick start. You know, they knew that it was a road-heavy schedule. They still wanted to have a quick start. Uh, so I think the coaching staff's been very prepared. And then two, uh, Jake Ottinger's been the number one goalie from the start. And it just makes all the difference in the world. We were just talking about it uh, probably three weeks ago, uh, that as good as Wedgwood has been, um, you get games where he gives up a goal or two in the first, you know, 25 minutes. And, you know, uh, Ottinger a lot of times will give up none. And the team has been slow starting at times. And and so under Ottinger, then all of a sudden they catch their legs. Now all of a sudden they win a 4-1, 4 nothing game. And then on the other side, if they've given up two, they may end up losing, you know, three to one. Uh, so just having that goalie make those saves early uh, and they always say, you know, it's that save at that time. And and Jake makes a lot a lot of those. So I think those are the two biggest things. Uh, special teams has been good. Uh, you have guys who in the past have struggled to score on the road and they're scoring now. And, and I think that's been very helpful. Absolutely. It seems to be a team effort night in and night out. Of course, you have some players that maybe do a little bit more. I know that last season, one of the biggest criticisms of the team was they had the top line and everything else was kind of up in the air, but it seems like a lot of other guys have stepped up and taken on some more responsibility with the scoring and even on the defense a little bit. And we'll get to dive into that in just a second, talking about some players on the team, but sticking with the the overall theme of this group, one of the biggest staples early on in the season and and kind of through like the the, the stretch of the start of the winter, end of the fall, what were those insane, you know, multi-goal comebacks that we saw the Stars pull off? And some of them ended up in wins and some of them ended up either in overtime losses or I think most recently that game against the Flames at home where it was 6-2 to two going into the third and the Stars come back and nearly tie that game and force overtime. Have you ever seen a team quite like this that, you know, can be down and doesn't really ever, you know, quit or give in or kind of roll over? I mean, it just feels like it's a pretty special group. And I know we've talked to several of the players and Pete DeBoer after the games and they talk about the the belief in the room and how you know they never really think they're out of the fight have you ever seen a, a stars team quite like this one in regards of how they handle those situations no because one the early great teams didn't get in <laughs> didn't get down like this and they had the one comeback I think against Boston uh, a few years back where I think they scored three goals in you know a minute or something like that. Uh, so there's individual examples, but not season long examples. And then two, the group in the middle missed the playoffs uh, for five straight years. So so this is a, a bit of a unique group uh, in there doing that. And then secondly, I think the league as a whole um, has created an environment where comebacks are easier to to accomplish. Uh, even just looking at some of the teams that pull the goalie with four minutes left or five minutes left, uh, it's a different strategy out there now. And I do think it's harder to protect leagues. Yeah, it, it really is. And especially with some of the weapons that the Stars have at their disposal, a lot of the guys that are responsible for those comebacks, it's guys on the top line or even guys like Sagan, 
Mason Marchment getting involved. It's been pretty special to see, and it's making for a unique viewing experience of no matter what the deficit is, you know this team has it within them to, you know, score some some yeah. insane goals and go on some insane runs. And sometimes th- those runs result in wins in regulation, like we saw against the Blackhawks around Thanksgiving. But sometimes the the stars find themselves in overtime or in a shootout, which has been a pretty hot topic of discussion going into this break with three consecutive overtime losses with three to two scores at home. Is, is that something that you know are, that you were concerned about about with this team? Because I know obviously the overtime format changes in the postseason. You leave some points on the table, but at the same time, the stars are collecting points. I think it's what ten overtime losses. So. You know, it could be a lot worse, but things could be a little bit better. Is it something that you're concerned about long term for this team? Uh, not long term, but I think it does show how does the team solve problems. Uh, they've done a really good job so far this year. The coaching staff would address whatever situation might be a problem or, you know, this this leads to the fact that they hadn't lost three games in a row. Uh, so when they do lose, they seem to address that. Um couple of things we talk about in the press box is they don't really practice three on three very much. Uh, and that's a little bit frustrating for us because we don't know why. I mean, it, clearly it's an issue. So, you know, shouldn't you take one practice or a segment of practice and just play overtime? Um, uh, the second part is the strategy of it all. And it's so funny, just the fans we're so upset with Rick Bonus last year for starting Radic Fox in, in <laughs> overtime, and then he ends up having just a fantastic overtime record. Um, it's it's a I, I think Pete DeBoer summed it up pretty well. Uh, I think it was Monday or Tuesday last week um, when he said it's in their head, um, and so the the twenty second loss clearly, you know, they just they're squeezing the sticks. I think they're trying too hard sometimes. Um, it is a patient game now. You you watch teams take the puck back in overtime and just wait and wait and wait and, you know, try and get the exact moment before they'll even take a chance. And the Stars haven't been that way. The Stars have gone right at the net. Um, I think having Miro out there is an interesting challenge because I think this is a, a kind of a transformative year for Miro in that he's got to be the guy. Uh, they had Klingberg last year. And now it's Miro and he's, you know, he has to run the defense and excuse me. I think he does have on his shoulders that it's his responsibility to win the overtime. And I think that kind of pushes him to do things that he, you know, might not normally do or that teams aren't doing in overtime. Uh, And so that'll be interesting to watch going forward. One, the practice and two, the patience. Today's episode of Locked on Stars is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports both fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is also safe, secure, and very easy and convenient to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the Locked On Stars podcast. 
Absolutely. And yeah, it's always interesting to see how the team responds to a little bit of adversity. And I know they haven't maybe faced as much in the early goings of the season as they have in the past, but it certainly hasn't been a perfect season at times. But something Pete DeBoer always mentions and they the, the team always seems to deliver on is he, he likes to throw out the phrase, you know, good teams stop the bleeding and they don't let these these losses accumulate. I mean, we've seen teams, I think the Blues at one point early in the season had seven or eight losses in a row. And I mean, a lot of teams can let things kind of spiral out of control. And the Stars have done a really good job of, of you know, stopping those losses. I think this past week was the first time they've lost three in a row and they still, you know, get three points out of the week. So not yeah. a complete disaster by any means. But a, a, again, kind of going back to those overtime or not overtime losses but the the comebacks i mean does that message seem to be something new to the team this season because it feels like we you know last year the the stars would have those stretches where they'd lose a few games and you know things not i wouldn't say fall apart because they still made the playoffs and still had a good showing but i mean do you think this is a a leadership thing on the team because there is a good group of leaders as jamie ben sagan pavelski guys that have been in this league a while I mean, does it kind of add something new to the team of this feels a little bit different this season that we're seeing a little bit of a different approach from the team? Um, yes and no. I think the leadership's the same. Like Jamie's Jamie. If you ever talk to him, he's been that way for all whatever, 10 years he's been here. Um, I think Pavelski's very similar. Um, you know, the the difference, I think, is they have added more scoring uh, depth and that's been a big thing, Wyatt Johnston, Mason Marchman, Jamie coming back, Tyler being, you know, pretty healthy. I mean, last year he was still recovering from the surgery. Uh, I think this year he's, he's you know, closer to uh, Tyler Sagan level. Uh, so having that second or third layer uh, makes a big difference, you know, rather than just putting it all on the top line. And then the other thing is the goaltending. Um, when they've had to have big saves down the stretch, uh, for these comebacks, they've gotten it. Um, so I, I do think that, and then, you know, the coaching staff has done a really good job. Um, you know, uh, it was funny. I think it was, uh, my games are getting mixed up, but they had a, a game or two where they didn't score on the power play. And DeBoer was like, you know, we have made a history of when we need a power play goal, we get a power play goal. Uh, and I think they're seventh or fifth in the league in, in success percentage. Uh, so that's been a big part of the comebacks too, is that when they get an opportunity, when the other team makes a mistake, when there's a power play situation, they cash in. Yeah. They just always seem to, to come up big when they need it most. And yeah, the, the special teams in general have been very, very good this season. I know the power plays had some, some ebbs and flows, but that's going to happen when you have guys like Rope Hints miss some time and you shake up the lineup a little bit, but Maybe they're starting to get back on track. And I think, you know, this time off with just about everyone getting some rest, I think we could see, you know, a little rejuvenation in this team yeah. when they come back and be fresh. And I think it's going to be exciting to see. And transitioning now to talking about some of the, the individual performances from players this season. Again, we don't have time to go through everyone, but kind of wanted to highlight some of the newcomers, four guys in particular that I know we've had a, a good handful of rookies make their debuts and, you know, come up from the AHL for a bit and, as much as it'd be fun to talk about those guys, I want to focus on these four and then a few returners. But we'll start with with Mason Marchment, maybe the biggest, uh, you know, new newcomer in the offseason, free agent signing from the Florida Panthers. Got off to a hot start, scored the the first goal for the team in Nashville against the Predators, and you know had had a pretty decent point streak. I think two or three games maybe into the start of the season, but hasn't scored 
I don't think he scored a goal since the, the game in New Jersey against the Devils and has just kind of hit a little bit of a cold spell. And I think he's a guy that, you know, it's easy to say, oh, well, he's a, a veteran or he's been around for a while. But if you look at his career, he still hasn't he's still relatively new to the league. So do you think this is something that he's just still developing his game and growing a little bit and that this is something he'll roll out of or? I mean, do you think that this is kind of where where Mason Marchman is at this point in the season and there might not be, you know, too much else that comes from him in terms of production? It could be both or either, I guess. Um, I tend to lean towards the fact that coaching staff knows him well uh, because of his connection with his dad to San Jose, uh, that they have an idea of what buttons to push, uh, you know, uh, Steve Spot and, and, and uh Pete DeBoer, you know, knew his dad very well. And so I think that helps somewhat. I think they they understand where he is. And then secondly, I think 78, 74 games were, you know, what that was his entire NHL career when he came mm-hmm. here. Uh, so he's dealing with the pressure of a contract, the additional minutes he's getting. Um, you know, it's, it's just a transition for him. Um, and I do think he'll get more comfortable. And, and his dad passed away suddenly in the summer. And that's emotionally has to be a very difficult thing for him. Um, so I, I do believe he has the talent uh, and, you know, clearly the size and the skill to do this. Uh, but it is interesting watching him because he is a wild card. Uh, he is not what you would call a polished player. He's a flies by the seat of his pants, uh, sometimes doesn't always follow the game plan. And so then that is part of you know, can he fit into this? And that's where the, the coaches come in. And I, I do think they will help him get over the hiccups, but he's also making what, four and a half million dollars. And, you know, at some point in time, you got to step to the table and, and, you know, show that you're one of the, you know, the players who deserves that money. Definitely. And I'm hoping and anticipating that maybe this time off, he gets to reset, rest his body a little bit, and maybe he comes back and you know, Monday against the Ducks and starts to pick his game back up a little bit. And I think, you know, the team in general is better when, when he's playing well, just yeah. because of the the position that he's put in where he comes in and there's kind of that expectation of, well, we need guys to fill out the top six. We have the top line and we need these guys to play along, whether it's Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn, Wyatt Johnston, what have you. Yeah. Good, good player. Oh, but I think almost you know, like the top nine, to really, because in, yeah. in a perfect world, uh, Marchman and Sagan would be on the quote unquote third line. And if they could find the extra player and if that line could get going, they really could be tough to stop, especially in the playoffs. De- definitely. No doubt. I, I think there's the, the skill and talents there. It's just a matter of finding where to place it and, and putting other talent around them uh, and getting, you know, the most out of them, which I think has been a, you know, a challenge at time for, for the team this season of finding the right combinations. But maybe after, after the trade deadline, there will be a little bit more stability uh, and, you know, the, the other newcomer that comes in free agency, Colin Miller, maybe a little bit more of a under the radar move at the time. But in my eyes, at least, I think he's had a very solid year, plays pretty well in the defense and also has a, a pretty heavy shot that sometimes when he shoots it from the blue line, I mean, a goalie just misses it or, you know, it catches the stick of a teammate. What's been your your view and your opinion on Colin Miller uh, through the first 50 games or so this season? I'm completely surprised. Uh, because when they signed Marchment, I was like, well, don't you need a right-handed defenseman? <laughs> and, you know, you're like, huh, we're kind of short here in that category. And, and then out of nowhere, they get Miller, then they add Nils Lundqvist, and all of a sudden the, the pairings all make sense. Uh, but when they uh, signed him, I was like, eh, it's got to be a better option than <laughs> a guy who was scratched in Buffalo last year. Uh, but the Pro Scouts did a really good job. 
Um, I, I think you go back to Colin Miller's days with Vegas, uh, and he was a very good player there. And that's the type of player they think they were getting. Uh, I think he had battled some injuries last year in addition to the healthy scratches. And so then, you know, that, that, that you know, affected not only his, you know, mental state, but his physical state. Uh, and he seems completely healthy now. Uh, the fact that he's basically Miro Haskinen's partner. Uh, and, I mean, it's probably going to be that way going forward, as far as we can tell. Uh, says a ton about what he's been able to do this year. Yeah, I, I think he's come in and had the the right attitude and mindset of kind of knowing his role on this team to, you know, not be the premier defenseman, which might, you know, be a little bit of a burden off his shoulders that Miro Haskinen is kind of the the head of the group there. And he's been able to to fill in nicely alongside him. And you you mentioned Niels Lundqvist, one of the other new additions, maybe a, a little bit more of a surprise, a trade right before, you know, kind of things get started up with, with camp and preseason. And there's been some ebbs and flows, as you expect, with a, a 22-year-old kid who didn't get a ton of NHL experience with the Rangers, but I, I think he's come on pretty nice and, of course, has had some stretches of healthy scratches, but I, especially that first stint, I think that really helped his game because he came out after in the first few games after that time off and, and played really well. What's been your take on Niels? Yeah, exactly that. Um, it's interesting because uh, you and I are in touch with the fans a lot, and, and they clearly don't like – when you scratch a young player, they think that he needs to be on the ice and that's how he's going to develop. And I get that strategy. I mean, you make mistakes, you learn from them. Uh, the interesting part, and fans know this about Jim Nill because he's been doing it for years, but Pete DeBoer is right in lockstep with him in that sometimes, you know, you need to take a player and set him aside and either work with him in practice or let him watch games or, you know, do film work with him, and and that's how you're going to get better. Uh, you know, uh, Jim Neal will talk about what uh, Rope Hintz had to do. Uh, back in the day, I think his first two seasons, um, he spent a lot of time in the AHL, and he wasn't really a dynamic AHL player at the time. Uh, so, you know, that's part of the process of, you know, trying to get up there. Ty Delandria, everybody thought that he was going to come up and be on the roster last season, didn't play a game until the playoffs, uh, but he went down to the HL. He had to toughen himself mentally more than physically and uh, became a much better player. So the path for a young player, they're all different. And I, I know that it's frustrating sometimes when he does get scratched, uh, but these two guys have been doing this for years and they believe what they're doing is right. And, you know, so far it's hard to argue with the results um, so I think, you know, the patient approach with Nils is going to be good. And, you know, and then you go forward and, and if indeed Colin Miller is really good, and if indeed Nils Lundqvist becomes a, a good defenseman, you know, now you've got a really solid set of, you know, uh, lefties and righties, and you can move forward with pretty reasonable contracts too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, a big part for the stars right now with, you know, kind of their, their cap situation and, of course, there's going to be changes over the next few years with any, and even this summer with some expiring contracts. And uh, of course, with the trade deadline coming up, there could be some pieces that get dealt in return for some others. And, and it's always interesting to watch what Jim Nill does. It feels like he always just has something up his sleeve that can take everyone off guard, but normally in a really positive way and in a way that benefits the team in the long run. And one, one of those moves that he made was a few years ago at the NHL draft. He drafts a kid named Wyatt Johnston, who is having one of the best rookie seasons across the NHL. And there's not a ton to say. If you've been watching this season, people know 
what he's done. And it's been, I mean, not perfect as, as any rookie is, but been very, very good and hasn't really ever seemed to hit that rookie wall long-term. He's scoring goals, you know, playing minutes in overtime, playing some valuable minutes down the stretch of games. What have you liked about Wyatt Johnston this season? And I mean, are you, are you surprised that he's performed the way that he has being, you know, 19 years old? Yes, completely surprised. <laughs> I watched him in Traverse City and he was good. Uh, but Logan Stankoven was so much more dynamic and more just visible, uh, just because I think that's the way he plays. He's just a little fire plug and gets in and out of places and, and just makes himself noticeable. So I was looking at Wyatt Johnson going, eh, you know, but the things he does are subtle and consistent. Uh, he is a good, smart hockey player. And, you know, I think we've seen with Jason Robertson, that really pays off in the long run. Uh, if you you know can anticipate where the puck is, if you can read the play, if you can make quick decisions, uh, then you can be really good in this league. And I think Wyatt's kind of following that path. Um, you know, the the steal and the goal the other day, uh, just reading the mm -hmm. play right, getting the puck on your stick, and then finishing once you get it. Because you could have seen a, a Glenn Denning or a Fox uh, make the same move and then not score. Uh, so, you know, he's got a little bit of all that and he has it at 19 years old. Uh, so I think it's been fantastic. I'm, I'm going to give a shout out because I think from what I've heard, uh, much of what, uh, why he's here is from Joe McDonald, the head of uh, amateur scouting. He's based in Ontario. I think he saw a lot of Wyatt, even when they had the COVID year, uh, he was, you know, he had done his research beforehand and then Wyatt came down here and played for team Canada and uh, I just think they, you know, he did a really good job of targeting in uh, on Wyatt. And, and it's, I think it could really pay off for years to come. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you've got to try Built Bar. I know many of you are still chugging along on your New Year's resolutions, whether that's exercising more or eating a little bit more healthy foods or a little bit of both. We have just the thing for you. You've got to try Built Bar with Built. Healthy is actually tasty. No, seriously, they're so delicious that you won't think that these are good for you, but they're actually perfect for your New Year's resolution. They taste delicious. They can give you some fuel. They give you some protein, and they make your New Year's resolution just a little bit easier. And what makes Built Bars taste so good, you may ask? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie and coconut almond or my personal favorite cookies and cream and you can of course always buy them at built.com like you've always been able to but now built bars are even closer than ever before if you're close to a walmart or a sam's club you can run in there today and grab a 13 bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro uh, and you won't want to miss out once you get hooked on built bars it's hard to go back to any other sort of protein bar out there they are an absolute game changer so go and try some built bars today definitely a special player special kid and i think you know i've talked about before that it could almost be another jason robertson type situation yeah. where he you know plays really well on a budget because i think he's on his elc for maybe two more seasons after this yeah. one and then you know you don't have to worry about giving him that big paycheck for a while but you're still getting that great production and i mean if, if he wants to go on and score 41 goals in his second season like <laughs> Robo did. I don't think many Stars fans would complain if you're getting that production again at, you know, under a million dollars a season. Uh, incredible player. And it's also just insane to think about how we could have him and Stan Coven on the roster next season with, 
what he's done with the Kamloops Blazers and also at the World Juniors uh, with Team Canada, you know, just a, a month or so yeah. ago. What's interesting, too, uh, for a lot of years, they, you know, kind of use the first round to get the best overall player, the smartest player, the good fit. Uh, and so then you got, you know, good players, but you didn't get the uh, OHL leading score. Well, you know, uh, Wyatt Johnson was the OHL leading scorer. Jason Robertson was the OHL. I mean, like these are the top at their level, at their age group. And you're like, well, that, that kind of does make a difference to get that kind of skill in here and see if it can advance in, you know, and Stan Coven, same thing, uh, you know, potentially the best player in Western Canada. Uh, and I do think that could make a difference. No doubt. And it's, you know, just exciting to think about. And I think there's some some anxiousness of his arrival, but the team's in pretty good shape right now. And a big part of that is some of these last few players, some veterans and returners that we'll run through here real quick. You can't tell the story of this season for the Stars without talking about Jason Robertson and what a journey it's been with him missing out on training camp, no preseason games played, the questions of, it: is he going to get signed? Is he going to be playing somewhere else? What's the contract going to look like? And then here he is, you know, being one of the best, one of the best forwards in the league. At one point, I think, you know, was leading the league in goals scored and was near the top in points. And, you know, Connor McDavid's kind of run away with those now, but Robertson's yeah. still playing incredibly well. I, I mean, were you expecting this at all, especially given, you know, the, what led up to this season? Cause I mean, I feel like it's hard to, you know, just jump right into joining a team, even though he had been with this team and this organization for a few years to jump in and done what he's done is nothing short of incredible. Yeah, it's, it, all you got to do is talk to Pete DeBoer about it. Uh, I and mean, that guy has been around for years. He's a veteran NHL coach. He's seen it all. Uh, he understands the nuances of what it takes to be good in this league. And he's he's taken aback. One, by how does Jason Robertson do this? Because he is in a difficult player to define. And I think what Pete has come to understand is that the hockey sense makes a ton of difference. And, you know, so whether he's not a good skater, which Jason contends he is now, uh, that was always a wrap on him in the scouting report and why he went so low. Uh, and then two, you know, that he's, you know, he's just kind of a goofy guy. He just, you know, he's not exactly what you would call a Connor McDavid type. He was going to go break down, you know, defenses and everything. Uh, but he sees the game. He anticipates the game. He's smart. And then the other thing is, is I think what in Pete talked about this is that coming off that break with almost no time with your team and then stepping right up is incredibly rare. It speaks to his own preparation. Uh, he works on his game all the time. Uh, he and Scott Wedgwood both live in the Detroit area. And so they're, you know, work out at the same rink and Wedgwood says, it's just incredible how meticulous Robertson is at working on his shot and he compared it to like a pitcher uh, placing his pitches on the corner of the plate or, you know, moving it up a foot, moving it down a foot and that Robertson can do that. And the reason he can do that is because he works on it all the time. And if you're ever around the locker room and you need to interview Jason, he's the last guy off the ice. So you have to stick around and wait and wait and wait because he's out there working on his game. Uh, and I, I don't think that gets enough credit, just how, diligent he is and how focused he is on being a great player yeah it seems seems like a little bit of joe pavelski's rubbed off on him mm -hmm. there, just that work ethic and, and staying on the ice you know one of the first to arrive one of the last to leave the the locker room at, at for the stars just filled with guys that i think 
love the work and love getting better and developing their game. And a guy who's been doing that for a while, Jamie Benn, who is you know coming up on his thousandth career game on Monday against the Ducks. Incredible achievement for for any player, but it's not just that storyline. Jamie Benn's had had a spectacular year, kind of you know revitalizing his career and numbers, uh, goals on the power play. And just being, you know, the the ultimate captain. I think he's always been a good leader of the team on and off the ice. But now there's, you know, some a little bit more production to go along with it. I mean, is this something that you were expecting with a, a coaching change, or are you kind of taken aback by what Ben's been able to do this year after some some pretty, I mean, for lack of a better term, lackluster seasons in terms of production? Yeah, it's funny. I, I think I was expecting it more from Tyler just because Tyler had dealt with the injuries and seems to be 100% now, and now a new coaching staff would use him differently. Uh, but Jamie's just – I think he did some stuff in the summer. He doesn't like talking about himself very much. Uh, so I think he lost some weight. Uh, I think he's a better skater. I think he worked on that um, because the league is getting faster. And then you put Johnston and Delandry on his line, two younger guys, and that just kind of – creates an environment where he can be quicker, smarter, you know, just better. And, and I think, it, you know, it's really all combined for him. And then the other thing is the power play. Uh, uh, that power play is so quick at moving the puck. And, you know, I think that's a testament to Steve Spott and, and, and also to the players, because I think they wanted that. Um, and so, Jamie has done a really good job of his hands are keeping up with his feet. And so when the quick puck movement's happening, he's right there around the net to, you know, whether that's to tap in a, an easy one or to make a quick play. I think we've also seen uh, him just uh, snipe a couple, you know, whether that's on breakaways or on the power play where, you know, he just wasn't doing that. He wasn't, you know, lifting the puck up and, and finding the corner. Uh, and he's doing that this year. And I think so then, you you know, combine all the work he's done and then that brings confidence and confidence is huge for these hockey players. And he seems to have confidence right now. And uh, the puck goes in when you have confidence. Definitely. Uh, yeah, he is playing that way. And you talk about how he doesn't really like talking about himself, but he I think he enjoys talking about his teammates. I know we've yeah. asked him about, you know, Wyatt before or, or Robo and you'll kind of see that smile on his face and. He, I, I think that's a, a great trait of a captain to have of playing the way he does and playing at a high level, leading the team well, but also giving recognition to his teammates that, that also deserve the recognition alongside him. And one of those other guys, the last guy we'll talk about, Jake Ottinger. And we talked a little bit about him and Wedgwood. I, I mean, he's maybe outside of Robertson or, or Haskin and Ben, I mean, maybe been the most valuable player to this team because there's been games where the, the Stars maybe score one or two goals, but they've won the game because of Ottinger's production. And I'm, this is just another block and what's been kind of a, a thread of, of solid goaltending in Dallas over the past few seasons, whether that's, you know, Ben Bishop, Hugh Dobin, uh, and even, you know, Holtby for a stretch last season had some good games. And yeah. Ottinger seems to maybe be at, the, at a point, I know it's still early in his career, but I mean, it se seems like he could truly have a special run here in Dallas. I, I mean, and there's the, you know, a good mix of swagger on his side, but also a little bit of humility. Uh, and I mean, just an interesting mix for a goalie. What what's what have you seen from him this season where he's been able to kind of take this next step? Obviously, we saw what he did against the Flames, but it seems like he's been able to carry that over pretty well. Yeah, I think he's done it for most of his life and we just didn't know it. Uh, I watched him in one of the pregames earlier in the season and you look at him and you're going like, that guy looks like a tight end. He's 6'5", 220. So that helps a little bit. Then he's athletic. 
And then you look and, oh, yeah, he was a first-round draft pick. Uh, so I think he's had this his whole life, and we just haven't seen it. Um, I could be wrong. I don't want to put thoughts into his head, but I think he was really mad that he got sent down last year because I think he thought that he had earned a spot on the team, but contracts are contracts, and Ben Bishop's trying to come back from an injury, and, you know, it is what it is. And uh, But I think that drove him. Uh, because that is part of his quote-unquote athletic arrogance, is that he really believes that he's very good. Now, he doesn't always show that to you or say that or mouth off to the opposition, uh, but in his heart, he believes he's one of the best goalies in the NHL. And that's huge, I think, for a goalie. I think the mental game for goalies is is massive, uh, and we've seen in the past sometimes when goalies have gotten into slumps or or something's gotten into their heads – and uh, Jake does a really good job of overcoming that. Uh, he will have slumps. He will have mistakes. Um, but he's so confident in himself that he works himself out of those, those mistakes very quickly. And then the bottom line, as we saw in the Calgary series, if you've got that guy, uh, you, you've got a lot. Uh, I think Winnipeg's a great example with Hellebuck. Uh, you know, people were like, what are they going to do there? I mean, they've got these veteran players. They're not playing well. Uh, we're going to bring in this coach who, you know, got fired or let go in Dallas. And it's kind of a bit of a, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, one, I think Rick did a great job up there. And two, he's got one of the best goalies in the league. And that makes all the difference in the world for the confidence of your team. Uh, you know, when you got that guy back there, you can kind of take a few chances and try to score goals. Uh, so having Jake Ottinger here, it, it's a huge deal. No doubt. And you know, I, I think you talk about the the confidence. That's you know, every every sport has that position where there, there's you know the mix of humility and knowing that you know you're not perfect and that it's a team sport. But you also have to know like you are the man and you have you have to believe that. And I think Jake yeah. believes that in himself. And but also he's a good teammate. And you know we hear it all the time from guys in those tight games or a game where Jake will you know only allow one or two goals or get a shutout. And they talk about how important it is for them. To, to go out and get the win for him. Yeah. I think they believe that in Wedgwood as well. I think both guys are yes. good teammates, work incredibly hard, and, and often I think the results on the ice show that. And Jake, uh, again, just has that that mix of he'll talk about himself a little bit after the games, but I, I think the swagger and the you know the the what you could call competitive arrogance maybe comes out on the ice a little bit more when he makes a save and kind of just tosses it to the you know yeah. either tosses it back at a player or tosses it to the faceoff dot. It, it's flashes you know, his smile out there like. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, you like yeah. that one? <laughs> it's it, it's been a joy to watch. And yeah. I mean, I can't wait to see what else he can do this season along with this team. And it, it could look a little bit different in a month after the trade deadline, but the team finds themselves in a pretty good spot here heading into the all-star break. And may, who knows? Maybe uh the the three on three game of the all-star game will <laughs> give Pete DeBoer a few pointers. I know was it Jason Robertson that that made it some sort of joke about that after uh the game yeah. on Friday? Yeah, like that that uh, Pete need to go learn something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, unfortunately, he can't come back with some. Of, he'll have some of the best talent in the division on that on that All Star team, but he can't come back with. But who knows? Maybe maybe the the break will will see us turn a new corner with the overtime and as we watch this team push for uh, a top spot in the West. But Mike, thank you so much for your time and uh, you know giving giving us your thoughts on the stars up to this point in the season, and we'll have to have you back on again sometime soon, whether that's the trade deadline or as we push towards the playoffs. I'd be happy to do it. Uh, it's always fun. And it's, we've had discussions about the stars media 
and, and everything that's changing here, whether that's Matt leaving or, you know, uh, uh, different play, different guys coming in and out. And so to have this here for the fans is a really good thing. Um, you know, I, I, as we move along and as we get closer to the playoffs, I think the buzz is going to really increase around this team. Uh, and so to have all the, the outlets to, uh, to talk about stars has been a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's whether it's writing, podcasting, or even, you know, the, the personalities on TV, whether that's yeah. Josh and Razor, uh, you know, Brian and, and, and Brent, like it's great. And, you know, I'm, this has been a, a good week here. I know it's an off week, but I've been able to, to have you and Sam and Saad on the show and all of you guys bringing, you know, you, your, your thoughts and opinions on things I think is a, a fresh outlook. So no, no shortage of, of great minds working around the, the <laughs> stars media world. <laughs> yes, indeed.